anyway, I had to go to county lockup 30 days and I got out and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Rock, and uh, we got our, our uh, a few guys that were chosen to come on the show. Uh, I see what you did there. A little, little pun there, a little dad joke, you know. So we got we got no shame and Professor Blade with us. How you guys doing today? Hey, doing great. Doing good, man. Still alive. Yeah, man. And then we got Dave looking like a. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. Hippie. Like Captain Caveman, the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. I'm really just jealous of the beard. It's it's very, it's a good beard. Well, when you when you hit puberty, you too can grow a beard. <laughs> Is that is that when I retire? When I when I hit puberty? I mean, I see what you got going on there right now. That's not bad. No, this is two weeks. It's two weeks. Oh, that's two weeks. I thought it was like a day. I'm sorry. I take it back. That sucks. There, there we go. God, <laughs> ice cold. Rough out here for a pimp. Let me tell you. So, what uh, what topic do you have for us today? I was late to the party. Saw like you guys already had some good stuff going on. Yeah, man, we were. Uh... We were we were talking about uh, the the their clubs doing in their communities and uh, kind of what happens from the biker side at least when you know when a clubhouse is stood up in in a neighborhood and what they try to do for their community. Yeah, things that never make the media. Yep, or things that the media are going to ignore. Yeah, yeah that's not gonna, that's not going to get you a page tab on Insane Throttle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm very curious as to what uh, what are some of the things that, that y'all's club has, has done, you know, to help your community, to help where your clubhouses are. You want to take this first? Yeah, I mean, well, we, uh, like Professor was saying before we uh, started recording, and it's, for us, it's, it's like a longstanding tradition for our club. Uh, I think it's something that... Uh, we kind of do as an homage to our roots to where like, you know, we had our uh, clubhouse on 108th and Broadway and that was basically a staple in the community. Uh, it was not only like a, an after hour spot where, I mean, back in the day you would have even like really famous acts that would go and perform out there and people that would just come from all around to see it. But it went all the way down to uh, father hosting Bible studies there to, the clubhouse sponsoring like youth baseball teams and getting kids bats and gloves and stuff like that. And just that uh, involvement in the community where your neighbors felt safe or safer with you being there. And, uh, you know, to the, to the point where when we were forced to get rid of that location, the community suffered from it. Um, like professor was saying, crime rates went up like 20 percent when the club left and a lot of that comes down to us wanting to preserve like a a good environment um you know if there's this person and that person going around there doing graffiti or selling drugs on the corner around your your spot it draws attention and a lot of it's unwarranted is i mean you look around it at a lot of clubs that are uh that are having clubhouses and involved in that community and stuff. We're not out there selling drugs, but they damn sure want to pin stuff like that on us. So we don't want any of that stuff around us. We don't want it in our communities and we want to take care of the people that, that we call our neighbors. You know, there was a, I saw an article one time that said um, when, when they closed up shop on, on 108th that uh, residents would talk about how the, the community was safer um, you know, a lot of them were kind of outraged, uh, not to get political or anything like that. Um, you know, they said, you know, it's kind of shady police tactics and things like that, that they felt like, and these are residents saying it, um, to why the clubhouse was shut down. You know, they talked about how, you know, the neighborhood was, could be covered in graffiti, but that block would be, you know, like, like spotless, um, Sunday, they could go over and listen to old blues music and, and eat barbecue, um, I think there was a there was a chosen few member was uh, Madhouse Buddy who was a and he'd play yeah. live for these guys and they would eat barbecue. Mm-hmm. Also, that, that that article was 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 written by me. So yeah, <laughs> shameless plug. 
Is that the article that you that you wrote? Um, well, in boy art. Uh, no, this is one that we did over at the other page at um, Sucker Free for I think it's an anniversary for um, uh, Lionel Rick's passing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Madhouse was a hell of a musician. Um, that was definitely one of his passions was play music and. Um, yeah, there was, there was always live music there on, on, actually on any given night, there was always live music there. And since it was Los Angeles, um, sometimes celebrities would show up too. Um, I can't think of the names of some people, but it was uh, mentioned to me, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, somebody's ringing my front door. Well, the dogs are excited. Yeah, let me go check out who that is. I hope it's not the cops. <laughs> nah, they don't knock. Say hi to Jerry for us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jerry made a cross-country trip today. So, yeah. so while we wait for him to come back, um, Jim, what about you and your club? Like, What kind of outreach stuff um, are you guys doing? Uh, you know, for us, it's, it's more local stuff. Um, no, no high-profile stuff. We do a lot of uh, stuff for kids. Um, uh, local charities, local uh, kids that, that need something. You know, as soon as we get wind of that, you know, we pull together and <laughs> so the guys can't see what's going on. <laughs> no shame's kid is walking in and out like it's no big deal. <laughs> Bye, Dad. <laughs> Needs the charger for his switch. That's his. Uh, that's his mute button. <laughs> yeah. So we just do things for for local. We try to make it, uh, especially people that we know. If we know of a family that needs something, or especially kids, man. You know, same thing with all bikers, and I'm sure it's the same thing with with y'all's club. Man, if a kid needs something, first person that's going to be there is a biker every time. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely a universal theme, um, especially with those long-established clubhouses. If people are doing it right, which most people are, I mean, you have your outliers, but most of the outliers don't want to involve the club. That's their own personal hustle or business. But um, safety of kids, safety of their neighborhood – you know, safety of their women, that's probably paramount. Because, um, you know, I want my wife to feel safe if she's at the clubhouse. I want my kids to feel safe. Um, yeah. And, you know, and they should. And they, you know, sometimes, too, depending on what you're doing, there, there is, you know, not that it's always a do-good. There, there are some selfish aspects to it, too. Uh, if we know that we have a big party coming up, we'll have a cookout for the neighborhood if they want to come. Or, uh, we, you know, we know the people in the neighborhood, so we know, you know, maybe who drinks what, and we can take something over there and be like, hey, you know, Saturday we got a party going on. Because uh, we want to keep it good in the neighborhood. Uh, I don't want you calling the cops on me <laughs> and, and my party. And so if, if cooking something for you or bringing you a bottle or, or or a 30-pack of something keeps you happy, that's what I want to do to make sure that the neighborhood keeps uh, keeps humming along. And I think, you know, then it helps them overlook the the nights where maybe the music goes a little bit loud or bikes are leaving uh, a little bit later. It keeps up good relations in the community. Well, that, that's like one thing that is, is probably the most important thing to establishing yourself, you know, especially if you have just opened up a clubhouse, is that community outreach, going and introducing yourself to your neighbors, making sure they have a phone number that they can contact somebody with. Just if they want to call in a noise complaint, call it in to me. I'll, I'll turn the music down for you. That way we don't have to get the cops involved. And even to the point of reaching out to the local law enforcement, you know, if, if you're going to have a big party and you know that it's going to draw attention because the street's going to be packed, there's nothing wrong with going down there saying like, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. Here's my number. If you need to get in touch with somebody, call me. I'll, I'll try and square it away for you. I mean, that's, that's something that's been done forever. You know, there's a lot of people have this stigma that we don't talk to cops. Okay. Yeah. We don't talk to cops about certain things, but being proactive and not getting yourself fucking hemmed up because you have an illegal parking situation going on in front of your clubhouse. That's a different scenario altogether. You know, it's just, it's being a responsible member of your community, responsible owner of that clubhouse. Well, let me follow from that. It's like um, when we uh, had the big function, um, one of our OGs, 45-year um, member, passed. And um, you know, COVID hit, so we couldn't really have it in the original location. So we had it at a clubhouse. It isn't large. And it basically took over the whole block. Um, we did speak with the local commander of the uh, police. And um, 
they were very professional. Their their only thing was please put your masks on if you're you know if you're going to be congregating outside, put your mask on because COVID is running rampant. And so nobody had an issue with that. So it's just a question of how. Um, not all police, like SDPD, I, mean, I, I wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire. But, um, you know, the local cops where, where, where our clubhouse is located, um, they were very reasonable. It's a little bit smaller department, and, you know, they pay attention to what goes on because it's not a big, not a big area of San Diego. And but, I think uh, no shame... I think no shame hit on that too. Like sometimes you're going to have to have those interactions. Like if you think that you can go your entire club without ever having interactions um, in one way or another with, with a cop and, and having to have some sort of dialogue, I think you're kidding yourself. Most people are going to have to have, you want to control it if you can, <laughs> or like no shame said, be out in front of it, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to have that dialogue. I think a big one people can refer back to is, is funerals. If you have a, if you're a club that has maybe a large funeral, you're inviting a lot of people, you're going to want to have that that help to, to seal off some of the streets and, and advanced stuff because that's going to keep your guys that are riding in that pack safe everybody mm-hmm. gets home at the end of the of the ride absolutely absolutely Fu- yeah funerals are a big one and <laughs> you know you just remind them that hey this is a biker funeral it's not going to be done in two hours you know two days maybe but yeah definitely not two hours funny we're talking about this with the clubhouses and and how they interact with their uh, local communities but so I write all these short stories, and they're always bouncing around in my head. And I've, I've had one that's in rough draft now about very similar to what you guys are talking about. And uh, just these characters are in my head. With One of them is this big, huge dude, and he, uh, he's sent over as a prospect to help this 90-year-old black woman who's particular about her garden. And one of the guys messed up her garden or something like that, and he has to go over there as a prospect to help her. And this guy, you know, he's been in and out of jail his whole life. He's, he's, this club is the only thing that's saving him. Right. And in the end, his character growth is that he's going to fall in love with helping this old lady and, and being a gardener. So you imagine this big, huge dude. And all he wants to do is garden and protect this little old lady. Who's his grandmother now. And, yeah, so that's that. <laughs> I want to hear that story. I I, I, I want to read that story. So yeah, I think you need to you need to figure it out now. Yeah, it's it's it, bumping around in my head. Yeah, that's you got to get the next the next set of stories are are ready to be told. But I think we, uh, so. We're talking about like like charity work and stuff like that, and 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 drifter for for somebody like you and your club who maybe you know some some of the chapters you know you're in a in a multi chapter club but they don't have you know kind of like what we think of uh, I guess conventional clubhouses or something like that what are some of the things that you guys do um as far as like you know keeping the name positive in the community or, or when you do you know interact with the community what are some things that that you guys um choose to do because you're not coming from a place of like you know like a, a brick and mortar type uh clubhouse open to the to public events well, we have a compound um, in the Midwest that that's freaking huge. The local chapter there had put on a big, huge bike show for several years and big biker event, and they got all this money over the years and bought a huge amount of land, uh, built a nice clubhouse, and then uh, guys were able to build little shacks and clubs that they could stay in around the clubhouse. It's uh, pretty nice. As far as what we do for community outreach my club is real media shy we're not we'll do help local wise and and you know we'll take part in charity and that sort of thing but we don't really want to talk to anybody in the media Uh, that's just a cultural thing i guess with us but that's it with nothing I think you bring up a good point that I would love to get all your guys' um, thoughts on. So, you know, you mentioned media um, and and tied it into, like, doing good and stuff like that. And I think all of us would probably agree that we've had charity events. We've done good things in the community. We've helped out families without needing a single piece of, of IG or social media or any type of media kind of feedback from it. But, you know, uh, there, there's a pro and a con um, to that. Uh, you know, I think that it helps kind of us as, as MC members control the narrative um, versus always getting negative feedback from the media. And, and you know, it, it helps kind of promote a positive image. But, uh, you know, in, in a way, is it also kind of, you know, um, 
no shame to better with the big words like disingenuous is that what i'm looking for disingenuous. Uh, for, for some clubs or for some guys what do you what do you guys think like is, does it have to be that that presence that media or you know are we doing it for good are we doing it to so you don't look over here at this hand <laughs> what are you doing with that hand there buddy <laughs> no, I, I could um speak to some of that you know and i have an example of it we have uh brothers down in the la area they go down to skid row and they do uh like a feed the homeless type deal and then there's uh some brothers that cut hair for a living and they'll go down there and give out free haircuts to the homeless and stuff like that um i have a a brother up here in washington who owns a barber shop and he'll fly down to la on his own dime and do all that you know cut cut the hair help out with all that and you know just as as a means to give back and I offered him uh, a spot to, you know, kind of feature what he was doing on the page. And he pretty much just turned it down, you know, and it wasn't something that he's doing for recognition. He's doing it simply to to help the community. You know, it's, I see where you're going with it, where it's like, you know, if, if we could get this stuff spotlighted a little bit more, you know, it would help the overall perception of the biker in america but is there a balance that has to be be had yeah i think part of it is as long as the community knows what we're doing the people that we're around all the time then who the fuck cares what everybody else thinks let them let them be scared of the big bad biker you know but uh the people that that matter that are around that we interact with and interface with on a daily basis they know what we're really about and and they'll be there to take care of us just like we are there to take care of them. Hey, uh, uh, Ken and, and Professor, you guys, you know, before Ken uh, had to transfer, you guys were kind of roaming in the same circles, kind of that same area. What was it like, you know, seeing clubs doing, you know, were there some clubs where you were like, ah, these fucking jokers are just doing it for for media whoring attention? Or, you know, was there stuff that you guys saw that was like really good and genuine stuff that was like, yeah, you're like, that's trash? I mean, all the time. And let's, let's take Boost Fighters, for example. Um, most of the time, their clubhouse was full of... Uh, kids bikes because they were collecting bikes throughout the year for the uh, toy runs that they still do every year um, there was a fire clubhouse um, and they weren't able to get back into it so we had to kind of scramble we'll see what happens this year with that uh, but um, you know that's something that people didn't realize I mean it wasn't just a place for them to party and function you know that they were collecting toys for most of the year um you know there are other clubhouses which are a lot more low-key that um are pretty remote which yeah it is for partying because <laughs> there's no neighborhood <laughs> to really uh you know work with nobody's around and that's okay too because you know, we don't necessarily want to um interact with civilians most fights in bars don't start because bikers come in there and cause trouble most fights in bars start coming start because um, a drunk civilian does something stupid and disrespectful, and then the re reaction is instantaneous and um, and you know re by reflex as well. You know, I'm not going to talk about specific bar fights, but any alleged bar fights that I've ever had in San Diego started with somebody, you know, trying to try on my patch, like literally trying to take it off my back, and you know, reflex kicked in. At that point in time, so or might have kicked That's in allegedly, yeah. If that happened, what about you, Ken? Um, I've actually seen kind of the opposite, but I don't really want to focus on the negative. Like, I mean, yeah, there's there's always going to be clubs out there that fucking. <clears throat> I don't think necessarily are trying to do the right thing just to do the right thing, but more of a like pat themselves on the back, like, hey, look what I did. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I don't think there's a whole lot of like, oh, hey, look at all the good I'm doing for the community. So you forget about all the like shady shit that I'm doing. I don't I didn't I didn't see a lot of that. This is an old discussion. After the the Lynch report came out in the 60s, you know, uh, certain big name clubs started handing out courtesy cards every time they would uh, change a tire for some guy on the side of the freeway. They'd give them a card with their club's name on it to counteract what came out that Lynch report. So this is kind of the same discussion that we're having today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We still give out courtesy cards now, too. Yeah, good yeah. deal. <laughs> it probably bladed on a, a point that 
I mean, if this podcast ends up turning into like do's and don'ts of owning a clubhouse, then another point that you uh, you brought up was um, shit. What the fuck were you saying? <laughs> damn, <laughs> damn, 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 find out. Ken, timestamp this red thing. Oh, you were talking about um, mixing uh, civilians and and bikers together, and that that ended up. You know, it's something that I see all the time is that you get these uh, clubhouses and they open up for an after hours and it's open to everybody in any way that wants to come in there. And that's when you get fights and that's when you get shootings and that's when all that shit ends up turning sour. You know, um, one of the things that when we had our clubhouse up here, we we made it abundantly clear before going into that venture that we were only going to have that clubhouse if we could self-sustain it. So if, if we never had to open the doors to the public to pay all of our bills, then we would have that, that venue. It was something that was very important to us before taking that step. Cause we never wanted to feel like we had to open our doors. That was actually, uh, I'm up here where there was another club who was having issues with, you know, fights and, shootings and people getting jumped at their clubhouse and you know we had a, a sit down with them to kind of just figure out how we we're going to resolve all these problems that were going on this we have to open up like if we don't open up we're gonna we're gonna lose this place we're gonna you know we're gonna get evicted that's just never a situation you want to find yourself in so don't rush into having a clubhouse for the simple pleasure of saying i have a clubhouse realize that it's a it's a huge responsibility, a huge undertaking. And if you're not financially solvent enough as a collective membership, don't do it. Not to mention the fact you have to keep it in order as well. You, you, yeah, people have to take pride in their house. I mean, I think um, Dave wrote an article about this. Um, I don't know if we reposted it on Four for the Road. About, you know, just taking care of the house and... Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, the president down to a prospect, pick up a broom, you take care of your house. It's, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's your honor. It's your honor to be there um, and your honor you know, to take care of it. So um, another thing is that you, know, you can get infiltrated as well if you have to have it open up to the public, if anyone can just walk in. It doesn't mean you're doing something bad, but believe me, once they get in, they can find, you know, they can fabricate a reason to shut and you down. And they do. And, and, and that has happened. Mm-hmm. That has happened. I mean, you know, so many things like, you know, weed is legal now. Okay. So somebody might be smoking weed. Big deal. But all of a sudden, oh, they're selling pounds and pounds of weed. It's like, he had a couple of joints. Big deal. Yeah. So, you know, definitely being self-sustaining is very, very important. Yeah, well, I mean, clubhouses, clubhouses are great and they're they're dangerous all at the same time because they can become and I don't mean dangerous like in the in the violent sense of the word, but all of a sudden you know you're rather than being on the road or doing whatever you know you're stuck chasing a dollar to to keep you know you're chasing rent. Um, yeah. Some guys, depending on the size of your club, you know you might have to go home and and do your husband duties or your or your house you know your house chores or keep your house in order, and then you got to go to the clubhouse and. You know, maybe you got to cut grass there, too, after you finished your own house. Maybe you got to shovel. Uh, you know, maybe you got to do some some electrical work, some plumbing, some drywall, and whatever the case may be uh, for that because it's going to be on your free time. So it's not just going to be, you know, beers, bitches, and bikes. Like, there's going to be other stuff that has to go into it. Um, I mean, if you could find bitches to, like, bring you beer while you're doing it, I, I guess that could be one way. <laughs> but, like, you have to be prepared to, to take on that extra, like like No Shame said, not only the financial side of it, but just the workload. Uh, and, and the more, obviously, the bigger you are and the more house you have, the more upkeep you're going to you're gonna have. And, you know, it's not going to be, you know, if you got some some probates or something like that, they, you know, but otherwise it's going to be you guys cleaning up the puke, the piss on the side of the toilet, uh, you know, the list goes on. Yep. And you don't want to have, uh, like No Shame was saying, if you put yourself in a position where you have to have uh, non-MC types coming into your clubhouse to pay the rent, then you're bringing in a clash of cultures. You got one culture that is an honor-based culture that deals with things quickly and swiftly. Then you've got this other culture that really doesn't 
see things the same way, and that's always going to cause problems. So you're always going to have that issue of fights and and everything that no no shame just listed. And so if like, I agree, if you can't afford the clubhouse, don't get it. And if 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 Ken goes down there to the clubhouse and gets punched in the mouth or punches Ken goes down there and punches someone in the mouth, it's not Ken punch somebody in the mouth at the club. It's chosen few punch somebody in the mouth oh, you know for the, the civilians uh, for the club guys we're like no 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 that's not what happened but for the civilians they know that they were at a house they know the name of the house who runs it and they know that somebody got punched there and therefore it de facto becomes your club punch somebody in the mouth even though ken is not associated as a member in, in any way it's it's that's what happened at this clubhouse so it's that it's that club's fault and and you have to be prepared uh for that that goes by. That goes back to why you need to keep your neighborhood um, clean too, because our house in the hundred eighth and Broadway, our, our our legendary house there, you know, something happened. I remember there was a there was a young lady who got murdered in the neighborhood. Had nothing to do with us. She wasn't near, anywhere near a clubhouse, but it was in the neighborhood. We got blamed for that, and it's unfortunate. Um, and it was unusual, but we got blamed for that. They're picking little things like that because it happened within our vicinity, but it had nothing to do with us. So that's why you got to police your own neighborhood. You got to make sure it's uh, clear of all this kind of stuff, all this nonsense. Because it sells headlines, man. It sells advertising space in newspapers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's a ton of good reasons and, and a ton of good things that come out of having a house. Obviously, you know, people kind of already aware of those. We're just kind of touching on, you know, some of the pitfalls, I guess, or some of the other things um, to watch out for. Uh, you know, stocking a fridge is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I, I so much like the idea. Go ahead. I was going to say that there's so much... Uh that goes into to the back end of running a clubhouse and then it opens so many questions. You know, if, if you have an open bar and you just have your liquor out and then somebody starts noticing that, that the till's not balancing out or that some of the bottles are coming up short, you know, then, then the internal, like, oh, I think this person's sneaking into the clubhouse, not paying for their drinks kind of stuff. You know, you, you have to be cognizant of all of those realities going into it and have some kind of way to mitigate it. Like you were talking about um, cleaning up, like who's going to sweep the floors, who's going to take the trash out. And if you don't schedule that shit and put a name to task and, and this is the day that you're going to come in and do this thing and spread that out evenly, you're always going to have one person who takes it upon themselves to do it. And they're, they're going to feel like nobody else is is sharing in that workload. And you know, these are, they're, unfortunately, these are like lessons that a lot of people have to learn the hard way and you have to go through the, like the drama and the bullshit to figure out a system to make it work you know that it would serve everybody very well to sit down and, and think about all these things talk to people who've had clubhouses before and, and figure out what kind of issues they ran into and get ahead of it because you don't want any kind of those seeds of doubt spreading around inside your club it, it could be a a real downfall to an organization I tell you, I uh, wish we had a clubhouse sometimes just to put all the uh, memorabilia that we have, the, the old T-shirts, the old racing jerseys, even the old bikes. That would be a nice thing to have. Actually, that's, that's one of the best things about having a clubhouse is so that new members get to see all this history. Um, so they get to see the pictures, they get to touch, they get to feel it, and that's well, Tell them what rare. you did to, to protect that. Um, that yeah. was genius. Yeah, I, I registered our clubhouse as a museum. Oh, so, nice. Because we have some very historical pieces there. You know, some uh, stuff from the very beginnings of time of our club. And um, it's important to protect that stuff. And, you know, some people come to our clubhouse simply to see this stuff. So, it's, you know, it's very important that you protect it. So, for somebody so that what, be, you what know, does that do for you? Yeah, what's the what's that process look like for for that for other people? Um, I mean, you register as an LLC in California. Anything can be registered as a museum, but you you know you register it through the state. And basically, you're saying that this stuff, in the event of, let's say, a raid, God forbid, because you know raids can happen for stupid reasons. This stuff is protected. This stuff, you know, is not part of this. You know, 
whatever issue that you have. That's the purpose of doing that. It protects the stuff from being um, ending up on a police uh, a police department's wall as their trophies, and that's what yeah. they do. You know, they they collect trophies. I, a little sidebar on on that kind of crap. So whenever they're doing that sort of thing, the cops will bust down your front door, your personal house, trash your whole house just so they can grab your cut and then prove in a court of law that you're a member of that club when all they had to do was ask. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if we're hiding it. Between social media, I mean, look at the tattoos that I might have and you're going to figure it out. Just ask. Yeah, and yeah. If you if you ask, if you, yeah, if you ask me, I'll, I'll most certainly tell you. But yeah, that's uh, I know they have this obsession with collecting cuts if they can. It took me a year to get mine back after that last uh, nonsense I had to go through. Sorry to hear took, that, man. Took a year. Yeah. Good lord. Well, there's they, some people. Uh, some people never get them back. Did they have a did they have a reason why I mean did they give you the runaround did they give you excuses Um yeah there's all kinds of excuses etc um I mean it had nothing to do with uh, what they arrested me for but let's just say hypothetically that I somehow got hold of uh, every single commander's uh, email address <laughs> and um yeah so let's say hypothetically an email went out to everybody on a weekly basis until they um, followed the court order and released stuff that they were supposed to release. That's all hypothetical, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Make for a great story. <laughs> Maybe Jim can work it into a short, into one of his next short stories. Yeah. <laughs> when's, anyway. when's the next book coming out, man? Oh, dude, you saw the last one was literally put together on a Sunday afternoon, and it shows. Well, okay. I'm just... Well, here we are on a Sunday afternoon waiting for another book. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you know, we have we have two members of, of the Chosen Few Motorcycle Club and we had S1 on who dropped uh, an album that's on iTunes. So I, I feel like, you know, you've been called out. That's kind of a that's a soft flex and and you need to to step it up. You need a new book. Oh, so it's a rap battle. Okay, you're on. Okay. There you go. <laughs> hey, we we all bought your last book, so we want, we, we want to buy another one. Unless if you're gonna put out a rap album, I'm not buying your book. I'm gonna wait for that rap album. <laughs> if those are our options, yeah, hold off on the book. Yeah, out. well, see, yeah, that's gonna be great because we had to explain to Drifter that rap was the kind of music that it, like it's after jazz. There's you, nothing after jazz. You're making that <laughs> shit up. But I, if you are, you know, I hope that if you're going to put together another book that you do, unless you have a whole bunch of stories kind of lined up, ready to go, that you wait until after um, riding to California in, in September and then add some of those in there. Oh, that's a good idea. Or, or at that. least providing you uh, some sort of, if you want to keep it, you know, I don't know if you ha- if you care if you're going fiction, nonfiction, something like that, but at least provide you some inspiration. Um, I promise you that I can do at least something half retarded that you want to write about um oh, yeah, you, get me and, you get me and dave drunk on the road you're gonna have some shit to write about <laughs> i'll have to meet you guys on the road someplace i was just fixing to ask you man are you gonna be able to come up and see us yeah i'll i'll, I'll you know once we figure out what your um you know what your route is i'll meet you on the road someplace so Dave, far we've like got first what we got the first like 200 miles planned yeah, yeah we got st louis to kansas city St. Louis to Kansas City is is, is gold. So which you one do you want to meet us at? Are you going to come through Arizona? I think so, because that's so, that's well, we wanted to, we want to not only meet with people that reach out or you know that that are willing to talk with us, whether that's through the pen or through you know through recording or whatever, but we also want to do some of of or all of Route sixty six, right? Is that correct, Jim? Yeah, I mean it was just an idea, and we do have an invitation in Albuquerque. I think it is. Okay, well, we, we, can meet, we can meet in New Mexico, or you know, I could go pick up Ryder, your buddy Ryder, yeah. along the way someplace. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where Route 66 goes in reference um, through Arizona, but yeah, definitely be coming through Arizona. Okay. So um, New, New Mexico in September is great. It's, you know, it's lovely. So it's, um, 
and we can meet somewhere somewhere around there and you know ride you into California. Yeah, I showed somebody my I showed somebody my my planned map either on the way out or the return trip back, and it was just a bunch of squiggles just going all over the place. I mean, trying to hit everything from like Colorado and Utah and 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 Nevada and California and all this stuff. It was just Texas. It was just a big squiggle. Yeah, so was, the the scenery looks nice and all that, but I'm really looking forward just to meeting these uh, different people and uh, and talking to them about all these things that we we just you know love love to talk about. And and I won't I won't throw his name out there, but the first club that that reached out to us, the first guy, uh, his club's been around since the '60s, did he say, or the '70s? Either way, I mean, a substantial amount of 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 history. Yeah, and, it was the '60s. 60s yeah so so yeah. there you go so i mean just a substantial amount of of history and you know when he messaged us talking about having different old-time members and stuff like that willing to sit down and you know show us old pictures and and stuff like that so uh you know that first part was was you know definitely really cool and you know obviously everybody wants to see the the marquee names um that are either associated with four for the road or you know every you know everybody's got those those big time clubs that they know about and stuff like that which obviously would be cool uh but something that i kind of you know didn't think about until this other guy uh messaged us messaged us was the little clubs with with a lot of great history that that we'll be able to to sit down and and chat with or you know see some of their memorabilia see some of their history learn some of that stuff Uh, you know, just for guys to be willing to share that is just to me that's just awesome, and I'm excited for for the small time stuff as well as those big, large national clubs that are willing to uh, to have a conversation. Oh, me too. I've always been a big uh, advocate for the fact that you can learn a lot about your own club from other clubs, especially other from other old clubs, especially if you pay attention. Um, you know, there might be clubs that have one chapter, but they've been around for 50 years, and they used to party with your club back in the day. You can learn a lot from them. Oh, that's true. You can learn a hell of a lot from them. And I think, you know, for for Drifter and for Ken and myself, um, you know, I mean, maybe there's somebody that secretly got like a a four for the road hit list or something like that. But but we don't have, you know, we don't have a lot of negative interactions. We don't have, you know, from a club perspective, we don't have a lot of negative club interactions and stuff like that. So I think we're, as far as like an MC and, and a writing kind of merging or whatever, I think we're in a good place to maybe hopefully... Uh, uh, get people to open up uh, and talk to us based on, on kind of that, or they're gonna fucking they're gonna stab me in their basement. <laughs> One or the other. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I had a negative interaction yesterday on the page. So what was her name? No, uh, it was uh, it was dude that told me that fucking Pennywise wasn't punk music. But I forgive him. It's okay. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> well, you know, if all else fails and it's and it's the three of us, um, all I have to do is make sure that I'm faster than than Drifter or Ken. So, <laughs> well, if if, uh, if the stars align, I'll be on a uh, I'll be on a new challenger. So you're not going to be faster than me. Uh, I'm talking about on foot, okay? It's going to be on foot. Oh, you already win. <laughs> and that's the third different bike that you were supposed to get in the next two years. So, oh, no. yeah. What happened to the, the, the road glide? Which you actually end up on. One it was the roguelite. It was it was always between the roguelite and the challenger. Okay. Seventy two Ironhead is what he's going to end up on. Fuck no, yo! I know I'm only thirty one, but I feel like I'm your age, dude. Oh, you like, are not my age. He's <laughs> decrepit and just fucking broken. It it just fucking it hurts to be alive. So yeah, wait till you hit fifty five. Come talk to me. Jesus Christ, you're fifty five. Yeah. Uh, no. And you look at least seventy, bro. Ken, you can't use the excuse that you have a <sighs> military body because he's he's gone down your road already. No, no, he has not. His it's road not... was extremely like it was way worse. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, is no shame going to come down from and, and and see us and hang out with us? I Man, hope so. Give me your uh, your itinerary. I'll find a spot to meet you. I was going to say if you want, I can get uh, maybe we'll get some of the. Uh, the older clubs that are local around here, maybe you'll see if they want to come ride down with me and uh, give you guys an extra little little bit of history you can plug in. How Absolutely. cool would that and be? I, and if we leave on, if we leave like a September, I don't know what it would be, but like September 8th, I expect the itinerary to be ready September 7th. So, I mean, I'm looking forward, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Slow your roll there, buddy. We're keeping a little loose. Back, back. I have to I be have back to. in Jacksonville by the 16th. 
You might well, like, be by you yourself. Know, you know, when we posted about it and stuff like that, and guys were like, well, you know, what loop can I ride with you? And I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's not that you can't ride with us for, for a stretch or something like that. It's, I don't know. Okay. I literally, <laughs> I can't tell you this far in advance. And I probably can't tell you until 24 hours, 12 hours in advance. I'm going to truck stop. Like, hey, man, we're coming through. Where you? <laughs> like, so can you try to do this whole thing in eight days? <laughs> I'm going to try. Is that the plan? I, so I went, I had a, a rip plan to, from here to mile marker zero and back in 10 days. And I was on track to get it until some legal trouble hit us in Louisiana. So <laughs> it's doable, but look forward well, to a couple thousand mile days back to back. Well, it's Boy, not. Our, our, our brother in Texas has done that. Mm-hmm. So I know it's, it, well, it's mostly as long as I leave California on the 13th i'll be okay oh so here's the deal take the 10 all the way across yeah oh yeah and just hop because because when i moved out here from san diego i went from san diego to el paso el paso to houston and then i went i made the hop from houston to jacksonville so i plan on just doing the same shit yeah, you can ride 120 on the 10 and not get pulled over yeah so yeah, I'll be was, at my I, club. I'll be at my club nationals the first weekend, which is the three, four, and five of September. So that Sunday, the fifth, I'm heading to meet you guys wherever. So that gets ten, eleven days. Yeah. Yeah, we we usually have a Mando on like Labor Day weekend. Um, yeah. So it's uh, right after that. It's um, you know, we can figure it out. Yeah, I'll definitely block out some time. Like get nice yeah. yeah and i really like i mean it's not gonna take us fucking it's not a 16 day trip you know says who <laughs> and tragic is just up the street from me so it's um i'm sure he'll figure it out yeah i'm gonna get up the street from you too it's just a 1200 mile street yeah Call I'm, gonna, street. I'm gonna try to guilt my dad into coming out from san diego does he, right does, he does he even want to see you I mean, probably not. That's why he said guilt. <laughs> got, well, like, like for man, me, like, like being out here in the Midwest and stuff like that, like there's some really great riding that you can do. I'm not knocking it, but if you've been riding for any amount of time, it starts to look the same. Like you can go up north, south, east, west, whatever, and Minnesota looks like Wisconsin. Michigan looks like Wisconsin. Illinois is boring as fuck, but there's parts that look like Wisconsin. <laughs> like, you know, you go more north, you're in, in Canada and stuff like that. Like, we've been up around Lake Superior. It looks the same as where I live. Like, you know, there's there's little differences and stuff like that that's still cool to see, but but you get used to it. Uh, and then some of the easier kind of, uh, if you're looking at a seven-day route or an eight- or nine-day route, you know, I, I've done plenty of East Coast stuff. From from here, it's easy to get to the East Coast. It's, it's nothing but a hop, skip, and a jump. So I'm looking forward to, like, some, some different stuff. Uh, you know, I've been out west, but, you know, I've never been further than, than Nevada. So and getting a chance to ride out there. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm like, I want to ride the desert. I'm going to be lost in the desert. I was like, when can oh, I ride? I was cool. like, when can I, just, oh. can I ride Death Valley? Oh, everyone, everyone says they want to. It sounds so nice until, yeah. like, especially yeah, when you, until you do it. They're just Death like, Valley. why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> You will learn very quickly that you either leave very early in the morning or you leave at night. Hmm. Yeah. Death Valley hit, what, the highest recorded temperature on Earth this year? Something stupid, 130 plus. Yeah. All I can say is long sleeve white t-shirts. Yes. A bunch of bottles of water that you douse yourself in. Oh, I invented a system called pocket ice. So if you have a cut with chest pockets... You unbutton your pockets and fill them with ice as they melt. It's like a for about 20 minutes on your run after you leave the gas station. You got a nice little air conditioning system going on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Write it down. Yeah. Good good way to keep the nippies cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but the, the, the dousing yourself is very important. Every you know, if you when you stop for gas, you pour a couple of bottles of water on yourself, all over yourself, especially your legs. Your legs, you, you think they're fine. You think, oh, I got to protect my face and all that, but you, you, your your legs get hot so yeah it's uh death valley is not fun 
I'm sorry. Sometimes here, like yeah, and Jim, you know, Drifter's talking about going in September. I'm like, oh, we've had snow here before in September. At Death Valley, it'd be great. It'd be like 80 degrees no. and perfect. <laughs> Tra- Tragic's like, no, nah, it'd still be like 110. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like at sunset too. Like not even. <laughs> yeah, six hours in that heat, and you're done. Yeah. Make sure it's you have a nice uh, you have a nice uh, location to cool off when you get. If you want a nice desert type experience, it's not too hot. Um, riding the uh, the salt flats in Utah, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It gets boring just like the desert, but you don't have to fucking worry about dying of heat stroke. But it, and it's it's pretty amazing to see. It's just nothing but just dry old freaking ocean bed to your left and right forever. Well, that sounds exciting. Well, and plus, the race, plus the racing history that goes on at the Salt Flats or has gone at the Salt Flats is definitely that's why I said like the whole route is just squiggly lines. Like trying to get you know trying to like message us like you know what's the itinerary like like I don't know, bro. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like we need to invent our own app where people can like well, I don't really want you to be able to track me either. So scratch that, but but something like. <laughs> well, the the first thing we got to do is figure out who we're going to talk to, and then that'll tell us what our route is. Yeah. 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 You know yeah. what we do? We get Ken to set up a grinder account, and then we get all of our <laughs> listeners to set up grinder accounts as well. So that Say way, with Smear, you get a little ding on your phone. You know it's time to meet up. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounded so wrong for some reason. Yeah. But you know it, what? It's also not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but we're not that kind of website, guys. <laughs> I mean, we can get Hollywood on here, and then we would be that kind of website. Everybody gets their own tab. Woohoo! I saw that. I saw that. I don't. uh, You know, we can edit this out if you want. But I saw that he started a dating advice column. Do you guys want to give out uh, dating advice? I saw somebody. They sent was. I don't know if it was. um, If it was uh, Chris that sent it to us or or somebody else, but uh, somebody got into his ass uh, making fun of a of a clothing company that uses uses a diamond. Um, and I don't know if we ended up talking about this in the group or not, but you know, I get the, I get the, the, I don't know the pros and the cons, I guess, of, of doing that or why somebody in the biker community might post about it being offensive or, or ridiculous or, or whatever, or not care. Um, but I did see that he posted about that. I was wondering what, I mean, as far as clothing companies using symbols like that, you know, what do you guys feel? They're doing it to make money and they're not doing it for altruistic reasons or legitimate reasons they're they're capitalizing on something they think is going to make them money it's an image thing and you know it's like they don't understand the implicate implications of what you're doing and and by the time it gets to a point where we're seeing it it's like what are you really going to do you know are we going to get all the outlaw motorcycle clubs in the entire country to roll up on their production plants and shut them down like no it's it's not going to happen it's it's stupid you know I, i was watching the Tyson, and there was uh, some rapper on there performing, and he had this jacket on with a whole three-piece patch set up on the back. And it's like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, but you know, it's it's emulating the culture, but at the same time, like, why concern yourself with something that's that's not going to change, you know? Unless it's uh, there was that clothing company that had like the death head basically blacked out. You yes, know, yeah. battle that with. You know, you're trademarking things, you know, take the route on something like that. But as far as just companies that are going to use commonplace MC iconic imagery, what what am I going to do? And me as an individual, what am I going to do to change that? Absolutely nothing I can do. So I'm I'm not going to worry myself with it. They're not these companies. I mean, some of these companies are... Some of these companies are like geared towards like motorcycle brands or whatever, you know, there's, there's obvious examples out there. Um, you know, so, so motorcycle guys, motorcycle riders, maybe club guys, whatever are buying that stuff. You know, do you, does anybody have issue, um, you know, with that, with, with seeing a guy, you know, they come by your clubhouse, they come by your event, they're at bike night, they got a t-shirt with a big old diamond on it. Is it just like, that's a fashion statement and then it doesn't really like, it doesn't really register to you one way or the other since it's not club related or is that something, you know, you're, you're, you're laughing at like, what, what do you guys fall? Where do you guys fall on that? I don't think somebody would be able to walk into the clubhouse wearing that. Um, 
<laughs> just, you know, I'm nice. I'm reasonable. I will try and educate. But I don't think they'd be able to walk into the clubhouse wearing that. Um, you can give me $25 and I'll hand you a support shirt. You can go change real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there, I mean, there's companies out there that have those diamonds on there, right? And to me, that's it's just kind of like, what are you going to do? And how, you know, to answer your question, no, Shane, is, you know, like, what do you do as an individual? You just don't support it. You know, you just don't buy shit from that fucking company. You know, it's be your little, your your one-person protest. But, I mean, you see him at a bike night, and this is a non-diamond guy, right? Never been to Walker Center. I just kind of look at him like, fucking, okay, nerd. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you know what's going, like, do you know what that's supposed to represent? Fucking, at, at max, you're going to educate him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a chance, you know, it, it, you know like like No Shame said, it's it's kind of part of the culture and, and it sells and it emulates and people are attracted to that. I get that. Um, it could be a chance for education. And I also think, too, if you're just a dude ripping around on your dyno with 700 diamonds plastered all over yourself, do you. I'm not going to care. Um, I'm not a diamond holder though. Uh, maybe a dime, maybe you run into one that cares. I feel like just in our interactions, you're going to run into a lot that are just going to let you go by because you're not really crossing into that world. You're just doing your thing with your clothing and your 700 diamonds and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think for the most part, dudes are probably going to maybe either not even pay mind or, or snicker and, and laugh. And, and you're going to go about your way and never even know that somebody was, was laughing at you. Um, you know, and if if you decide to to come into the world or, or whatever, you know, you probably get an education and and maybe you're going to change your clothing or maybe you're going to be in a club that doesn't give a shit what you wear. And, and I think it's going to be kind of different to, to the individual. I mean, it kind of goes back to a point that I always try to get across is what is your intention in what you're doing? And everybody knows what their intention is. You know, there you like go. you were saying, if you're just a regular guy riding your bike and you got some crazy shit on and you're not part of the culture and I see you at a gas station, I, I'm not going to say anything to you. But if you start coming to events or start going to clubhouses and shit like that, well, now you're actively pursuing a role in my world. And that doesn't mean I'm going to beat the shit out of you, but I, I might have a talk with you and just be like, look, man, like this is this is the significance of the thing that you're wearing this is how some people might take that and that might not be the perception that you're wanting to put out there you know and i try to give people the benefit of the doubt to think that most people are either ignorant or they had good intentions that that went the wrong way um and, you know it goes back to those clubs that want to put a diamond on and put some random ass thing in there that doesn't say anything and then they're like oh we're not one percenters we're just these are our club initials, and we put them in a diamond. Like, you know what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that as long as you can act the way that somebody that wears a diamond is supposed to act. And as long as you can deal with consequences that diamond holders deal with for their actions. You know, it's wear whatever the fuck you want. Just make sure that you have the clout and the ability to back up what the fuck you're wearing if you're going to involve yourself in a culture where those symbols have meaning. So I got a question for, I guess, uh, obviously, you know, as the one percenter for no shame, uh, but drifted too, as, as a history kind of nerd like myself, you know, oh, since it, since it, you know, the 1% moniker came out and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's transformed, you know, at least one, two, three, four, I think, you know, five, six different times since, since, you know, the early sixties. So in, in a course of 60 years, you're talking about, you know, basically what once every, 10 years almost um it's gone through a change i mean obviously it happened faster than that but just to break it down for you and so we've had nothing we've had just the number and the percent symbol we've had squares we've had ovals we've had circles we've had uh obviously now now diamonds and i think um i think i'm missing one and i just uh, my nerdum is, is failing me today but you know Did for, you the, for the circle I said the circle, but, you know, so so for the, the historical aspect versus the significance today, you know, kind of like last podcast, we're talking about progress and tradition and everything else. Is it more the diamond symbol? Is it more the 1% symbol? Like kind of what, you know, is there is there a, a balance there? Is there a difference? 
You're talking about, you know, if somebody's trying to emulate something and they're, they're yeah. slapping something yeah. on. To me, it's like... I, t- I take into account when dealing with situations like this, who who are the people that are getting involved in this? You know, and I try to approach everything, like I said, as if everybody's ignorant. But, you know, if I find out that there's a club out there that was started by somebody who knows better, well, I'm just going to give that information. You know, if you're if you're putting on a state rocker as a pop-up club and nobody knows who you are, you haven't talked to anybody, but you have been in a club before for say 10 years. You know better. You know better than to do that. You know, I'm not going to associate with you. And if I do have an interaction with you and and something comes up, I'm going to expect that you can conduct yourself as a person who wears a bottom rocker with a state in it. Now, if you decide on your own that you want to change that and you don't feel like you're at that level and you want to portray yourself more towards the level that you're at, then I'll respect that. And now we can start having more interactions because you took that advice and and, and you're working towards in a productive way. But people know what they're doing. You know, it. if you use anything involving those symbols whether it be just the shape of a diamond or whether it be a three-piece setup when you really have no business rocking a three-piece setup or whether it be just a one percent somewhere in your patch you know you know what you're doing and don't play me for a fool that that you didn't do that on purpose if you didn't know what you're doing and you decide that you don't want to heed the advice well okay now you know and I've done my part. I'm not going to hold anybody accountable for a lesson I haven't taught them myself. But once that lesson's been taught and I understand that you understand, we'll handle it in that manner. What, what about you, uh, Drifter? So from a historical point, uh, you look at it and people started putting on three-piece patches. Um, and then that was a big deal. You know, in the 70s, if you put on a three-piece patch, you were going to have issues. Now it's kind of the standard. You see it everywhere. And then it went to, okay, well, MC Cube. You know, if you're rocking an MC Cube, that's your ass. You better be prepared to defend it, that kind of thing. Well, guess what? Everybody and their brother has an MC Cube now. And now the big attack, the giant tidal wave of the masses now are starting to incorporate some kind of diamond. So I think eventually you're going to see a lot more diamonds everywhere on on everybody. And that will happen until the elite few in the MC world come up with a new symbol or a new saying. And that'll be underground at first. And then it'll get out a little bit. And then, you know, 20 years down the road, everybody will be doing whatever that new symbol is. Do you think there's going to be, do you think, and I know we're just, we're just, we're just, you know, bullshitting here, but do you think there'll be another evolution of this, of kind of the status symbol? Like a, a new symbol or the yeah, 1% yeah. Or a new way to, to represent the, the, the 1% status. Do you think that, or do you think that, you know, the early stuff was kind of working the kinks out and now we've evolved as far as, as this, as far as the visual symbol is going to go, or do you think there's going to be another iteration eventually? I think there are clubs right now that have it within their club that this is an elite status. And and they don't really talk about it because they know once it gets out, people are going to emulate it. I think that's going on right now. Well, and, and for, for people that are listening, I want you to know that what we're saying here is simply that if you're going to start a pop-up club, use the rectangular 1% um, symbol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice public service announcement. Though. Yeah, I think like going to... What Drifter is saying, I, we're to a point now where interfacing with other clubs is so easy, you know, and and if I have a question about a club in a different part of the country that I've never seen before, maybe they're localized, it, it's a couple phone calls before, you know, I have a contact or something like that. But, you know, as, as far as the larger clubs, we we know who's been around, you know, we, we know who's who in the game, you know, so... People, like I said, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to actively pursue taking somebody's shit off. You know, that, that's me. That's you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I know who the real players are in the game, and I know who's faking the funk. You know, and and 
do I think that it'll ever go back to what it was where a select few have diamonds on and, and that's what it is? Probably not. I think Drifter's more along the lines of what's actually going to happen. But everybody kind of knows who everybody else is. Yeah, and I think it's going to go back to more along the lines of this club has a lineage, this club has a history, and they're respected in these circles. You know, if, if you think that there's not meetings that happen behind closed doors, you're you're fooling yourself. And if you think that you're going to be a club that's going to start up and in the first two years you're going to slap a diamond and a three-piece on and, and you're going to have a spot at that table, you're wrong. And And that's where the real status comes in, and that's where the real powers is who has a seat at those tables and who has a direct line of communication who has influence in the community and it's that doesn't come from a patch there's plenty of people that don't have patches on that do have seats at that table so and i don't want to like uh i'm not trying to drive the bus over absolutely anybody here but if we talk about you know kind of when when the b movie scene exploded and when it was popular to put clubs in magazines and stuff like that because there are some very legitimate heavy hitter awesome clubs out there with a lot of history that their diamond you know that that is is all worked into a single patch you know their their mc is not a cube and stuff like that like there's some very legit one piece patch two piece patches and things like that that are out there but, you know, we, we kind of look at Hollywood in the 50s and the 60s kind of cashing in on biker B-flicks and stuff like that. Uh, look at some of the early magazines. You know, they kind of focused on clubs that were maybe more, you know, three-piece patch um, setup. And is that kind of where the, the fascination came from from other clubs to, to, a, to take that, that three-piece three patch and, and run with it and, and create? And everybody wanted that, like Drifter said, everybody wanted that oh, for yeah. their club. Instead of, you know, like like I said, there's very legit and awesome one and two piece patch clubs out there. Why are why isn't that as emulated? Why is it the three piece? Is it because of Hollywood? Yes, 100 percent, because the image was built that this is what an outlaw looks like. This is the the last of the cowboys, you know, however you want to put it, that media made it. And that look was a three piece with a diamond. So that's what everybody started emulating. I I think the. uh I think the three piece comes first. I think they throw the diamond on after. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not blaming Sons of Anarchy for any of this, but I think people see that and they say, "Okay, cool. This is what a club looks like." Or then they, I mean, there's that, or they they just look at history. They see, you know, you Google motorcycle clubs. The first two clubs that are going to pop up are Hell's Angels and the Mongols, right? So they're going to look like that, and. I, I think that's where it comes from, and once they kind of get to know a little bit more about the culture, that's where you see the <laughs> you'll see the war rockers come in. You'll see the the diamonds. You'll see the different kind of flashes come on. Um, you know, they start emulating a little more of what they want to be, but they don't understand the severity of it. And hopefully, they run across a guy like No Shame that'll say, "Hey, man." You know, do you understand what you're doing is fucking wrong? And, you know, let me help you out. And hopefully they don't run across somebody that gives no fucks and they say, hey, you want to fucking wear the uniform? I'm going to treat you like you know everything. And then they just get their, you know, education that way. Hey, uh, Drifter, you know, um, as somebody that's been along, uh, been around in the scene for a long time, have you know, is there a point where you can say, you know, hey, I really started to notice an influx of new clubs after this or during this time period or something like that, like, like um, Ken mentioned Sons of Anarchy came out, what, 2006, 2007, something like that, something like um, that. which is, you know, before my time in, in, in clubs and stuff like that, uh, you know, was there an influx when that hit the streets? Was it before that? What, what have you kind of seen? You know, I can't really speak to it that way because uh, I moved to a different location and where I was first around the New Orleans area, um, there was a lockdown. You know, there, <laughs> there was two major clubs there, and they had a, an agreement between themselves, and everything else got kind of locked down. So you hardly ever saw a club. And then I moved up here to the East Coast, where I am now, and holy shit, you can't swing a dead chicken without hitting a new club. It's everywhere. Um, so I don't know what caused that. I don't know if it's just regional or whatever, but uh, it was it was a eye opener for me when I moved up here. 
And uh, that, to to that point, a lot of it is how well a region is managed. And like uh, you know, speaking to what, what Ken was saying with with just the ignorance of it, you know, in 2009, I was living in Texas and I was watching Sons of Anarchy with some buddies. We're like, well, we should start a motorcycle club. And luckily, I fucking knew a guy that was in a club and pitched him my dumbass idea. And he's like, yeah, let me give you some education on how things work in Texas. And things worked very differently in Texas back in 2009. And I'm glad that I had that educational experience with that person, you know, and I pumped the brakes on what I was doing and, and, you know, took my time and did it the right way. But I think a lot of people just don't have that. You know, they, they see this thing and they, it's, it's an attractive thing to people and then they want to do it, you know, and, and if a region has the means set up for something to happen, and they have people actively participating in enforcing those standards, then you're going to have a better outcome. You know, uh, what we have up here is just a group of clubs that gets together on, an, on a regular basis. And, you know, we keep an eye out and, and see if there's new people. And if somebody does pop up and we see a new patch, it's a simple conversation. Hey, we'd appreciate it if you held fast on, on rocking those colors. Please come to this meeting and and introduce yourself that way everybody knows who you are and we can go forward with the means to do this the right and respectable way and after a certain amount of conversations you know most people eventually want to do it the right way nobody wants to be sitting there outcasted when they think that they're coming into this sweet community that they saw on tv most people want to do things the right way and it's, it's all on how you approach it and and do you have the systems and the processes set up to give somebody that route to do it the right way? Or are you just going to tell them, like, go fuck off? Because if you're going to tell them go fuck off, then they're going to do it anyways, and you just have to deal with that. All right. Well, with that, I have to El Scudo Mucho. Yeah, that's a good – That's a good. I like that. It's a good ending anyway, I think. That was. That was right on the money. I don't have my uh, I don't have my butt fucked in Boston for the outro though, so we're gonna have to pick it. You're gonna have to do something else for the outro. Oh man, I, <laughs> I me, you're our outro guy. I'm the everything else guy. I I guess I I shot my load with the butt fucking her in Boston one, so it's all guy. Uh, like, I don't have anything good. I hope people stayed for the end of that episode though to hear that, or at least just fast forward to it and, and then hear that song and then move on. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, dude, I don't have anything good right now. Do you think? Well, just just close this out. Uh, and you think YouTube's gonna take that episode down? No. no? And if they do, I'll make them suck three days. Not four. Really? That's just aggressive. Yeah. Well, so. you know what? The dude Trey Lewis, he knows. I tagged him in it, so. Yeah, and he liked it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You guys playing music at the end of every episode he now? Didn't, he didn't reshare. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not upset that he didn't reshare it, but he did like it. So, you know, did you play one of S one songs since we had him on here already? Oh my! Like five times. I played oh. one last time you were on. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I don't. I'm like. I'm like a, a really terrible staff member. I'll like binge listen to like five episodes and then I'll let them build up so that I can make it through like an entire work day with listening to nothing but four for the road. Because I get pissed <laughs> off if I get 45 minutes into the work day and I'm just like. Well, now I got to figure out a genre of music I got to listen to. So I haven't listened to an episode in a while. Oh, man. Well, see, now you have to because now you're on one. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, All right, awesome. see you later, well, Hey, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, we really do appreciate it. We we appreciate all the love and support that we're getting from you guys, the the listeners and the readers. Um, you know, we, we, we do this shit to uh, preserve the, the culture and you guys asking questions and uh, – input you guys give is invaluable so thank you for and that we can share songs like butt fucked in boston and we can share songs like butt fucked in boston and uh you know chosen fuse own s1 you know we can promote his stuff on there too um so don't forget Motorcycle to check music out now on all streaming platforms <laughs> boom right there that's 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 the ending uh, right there so hey uh, thanks thanks guys so much for coming and listening to us and we'll catch you next week